enthusiasts, you're tuning in to Brow Education with Megs, the podcast where we unravel the secrets of perfect eyebrows. I'm your host, Megs, and in each episode, we explore everything from grooming hacks to the latest trends in brow fashion. Get ready to shape your brows and your confidence. Let's dive in. Brow Education babes, we are back with another Thursday episode. And today we're going to be talking about hydrators and bond builders. Bond builders. <laughs> so let's get into it. What are we talking about? So I feel like this is going to be t- talking about um, those of us artists who offer um, chemical services. I don't know why that took me so long to get out. I think that's called the millennial pause. Um, <laughs> so when are we using these? Obviously a hydrator is pretty self-explanatory. We're using that when we're hydrating. Um, but these products, well, hydrators are good all the time. Bond builders are only useful when um, damage is done, essentially. Obviously we don't need to build bond. We don't need to rebuild bonds if there's nothing to rebuild. (laughs) Um, so a chemical reaction needs to be had, um, in order to really need these, this type of product. So a hydrator is going to be anything that does as it sounds, hydrate. So we're talking oils, we're talking creams, conditioners. Um, I mean, for head hair mists, I guess, but for, for our purposes, when we're talking about the brows, I think nine times out of ten, it's either a cream or an oil. Um, maybe a gel in the sense of like a serum. So that would be our probably our three for the hydrator. A bond builder, I feel like it's typically an either is more more or less a cream. I feel like I haven't really seen it anywhere any other way. Um I'll mostly be talking about Olaplex in K18, and um, Olaplex is definitely more creamy, and the K18 is like a thinner consistency, but it still has some creamy texture to it. So, bond builders are not necessarily, just like hydrators and bond builders, are not necessarily uh, designated in either category due to um, its consistency. It's more or less what it's actually doing. So, um, hydrators are hydrating the hair, um, whether that's just to maintain proper hydration in general, if you are somebody who has drier skin or hair, um, you're prone to needing a condition or hydrator or conditioner more than most. Um, or if you're somebody who gets chemical services done, you are probably familiar with needing a hydrator. Bond builders, I think are a little bit less used, um, and should be used sparingly. A bond builder is just as it sounds too. It's going to be something that is going to be helping to rebuild anything within the hair structure that's damaged. So hair bonds that are damaged. Um, Namely, uh, things that are affected when we're dying or chemically altering, like lamination or a lash lift. Um, So... 
a hydrator is used more frequently. A bond builder is used less frequently. Um, a hydrator can be used as often as needed because it's just going to be essentially coating the outside of the hair and then maybe penetrating a tiny bit. Whereas a bond builder is ideally penetrating um, fully. Otherwise, it's not really reshaping or rebuilding any bonds if it's not. So hopefully, it, that's why it needs to be put on during a specific time. Usually after washing the hair, um, that can open up it a little bit. Um, K18 in particular requires shampooing first um, with zero conditioner. So nothing... Um, Nothing in its way of penetration, essentially. Uh, as we know, conditioner um, or conditioners coat, like I was saying, hydrators in general, coat the outside of the hair, um, helping to smooth the hair shaft and then also eliminating uh, water, like moisture loss is similar to the skin and uh, occlusive products avoiding, helping to avoid tool or trans epidermal water loss. So, uh, very similar. Hydrators tend to sit on the outside, but also help a little bit on the inside. Bond builders penetrate fully. I think I already said that, but I just want to reiterate a little bit. Um, so a bond builder requires some sort of something to help with that opening up of the shaft. So, um, K18, like I said, shampoo, um, other things like a vitamin or Botox treatment in the studio is something that could help with bond building. And that is like, it requires either tinting or uh, if we're talking about brows, lamination. So what happens is those chemical processes, lamination, for example, is going to send it into more of an alkaline state, meaning that it is uh, dehydrated. And when it's dehydrated, you know, we're sucking, soaking up a lot. So, um, I listed a couple examples of a bond builder, Olaplex and K18, um, which are sold over the counter bond builders. There's also professional bond builders, like I was listing, um, like a Botox treatment, uh, keratin treatment, um, vitamin treatment. There's a lot of different names for them, but most of them are either deep conditioners or bond builders, um, or some sort of like repair type product. Hydrators, on the other hand, are going to be your conditioners, your oils, um, and your leave-in products. Not to say a bond builder isn't a leave-in, like a K18 or Olaplex are definitely leave-in products, but like daily use leave-in. You can throw a, a hydrator on overnight, you can throw it on, um, you know, whenever, just leave it and not have to worry about it. You're also not stuck to a a timetable when you're dealing with a hydrator like you are a bond builder. Hydrators can be used more frequently. Bond builders should be used sparingly because we can over repair when we're dealing with a bond. Hair needs a little bit of a give to it. So if you're thinking in the form of that, like a really solid, sturdy hair shaft needs to be flexible and have some give to it. If we overbuild those bonds, it's going to over harden. And then instead of having give to it, it's just going to snap. So over repairing the bonds can lead to over... I guess stiffness, sturdiness, <laughs> and then it can cause breakage. So there's a little bit to be said when we're um, causing too much repair or building too many bonds. Um, 
So the biggest differences are really just like what they're designed for and how they're used, how they work. I mean, they're basically very different. Pro- well, I th- would say the consistency could be confusing, but what they do is very different. So uh, I will say that some of the professional products do kind of overlap a little bit, like a vitamin treatment I would put in the category of hydration and repair. Um, It's going to smooth out that hair, um, give it a lot silkier of a soft look, whereas something like K18 isn't going to be seen quite as much. Um, It's just going to be felt in the sense that the hair is sturdier feeling, stronger feeling, not as stretchy. So, um, when we're talking about, like, an aftercare kit for, um, lamination, you could give an Olaplex product to be used, like, a couple times a week, and then you could give, like, a castor oil product. So, the Olaplex would fall under that bond builder, and the castor oil would fall under the hydrator category. I have been asked in the past if either of these products, um affect the longevity of the lamination? And the answer is no. Uh, They're not going to cause any change in longevity because when we're talking about lamination, it's permanent, right? When we, we like chemically altered (laughs) uh, what's going on within the hair. So when you make that chemical change, you need another chemical change to change it reverse it to reverse it so we're we never laminate a hair twice because that would cause damage so that makes it permanent permanent so when um you apply anything post lamination of course it can affect the laminated hairs they're definitely more delicate in the sense that they're not natural you know virgin unchemically treated hairs but there is not a whole lot that's going to change the inner structure. You know, you you would need to apply um, those solutions again in order to penetrate, cause that change. So the only thing that's really altering um, is like something like a bond builder, where it's really just repairing any like damaged bonds that didn't repair during the service or just got damaged during the treatment. One of the biggest things when we're dealing with hydrators and what to provide with aftercare is castor oil. I think this gets talked about all the time. And I wrote it in my manual. And of course, I don't have the textbook with me. But um, let me see if I can look it up. Because I want to quote it exactly <laughs> as it says in Milady. Um ingredient textbook because I want it to be accurate. We are broadcasting after all, right? We are only here for the accurate <laughs> information. Um but it is a hydrator. I don't know where that like there's a lovely long debate about its effectiveness with hydration due to its molecular size. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not a scientist. I am not a chemist. And I don't look my products up under a microscope. So as far as the molecular size goes, there's no way that I am 
a thousand percent aware of its any given products like every style of product has a different different molecular size whether it is the same it's labeled the same or not um what the chemists are doing in the labs are going to vary and how they formulate their product is going to vary all of those things are unknown to the common consumer okay we're not as even as professionals we're not going to know these things right off the hand because we don't formulate them i wasn't in the lab when it was made so i don't know i can't say for 100 percent certain however i will say that if you're sourcing your ingredients well when you source up the proper ingredient from a renowned place or a well-known place or um a company that is really you know on its shit and not selling crap to consumers um then you know that you can at least trust the ingredient that you're looking for. So when I go to look out, uh, my when I go to source my castor oil, my number one concern is going to be where I'm getting it from. I like to source it from my local um, health store, health food store, whatever you want to call it. And um, I know that they're buying it directly from the company. So like when I've gotten it off Amazon, it's definitely a lot sketchier because I'm like, I don't know if that label was just slapped on the bottle, um, I've definitely ordered it in a, in a bind. I'm not going to be con- claiming that I'm perfect. There's definitely things to look for, like cold-pressed um, castor oil, organic castor oil, um, 100% pure castor oil. These are all going to be key things to be looking for, but I'll get into it um, in another episode. But there's also a lot to be said for false advertising and greenwashing and sketchy, shady marketing. So that's why I would say my choice as far as like what I'm going to choose first for sources, sourcing is going to be something in person where I know they're going to get directly from the company that I know and love and have used for years. Um, I think there's also an exception to every rule. I think that as much as you can do your due diligence to search for the proper product, there's always, always going to be some sort of variable that could potentially happen. And it came and it's, uh, you know, not the same quality. However, like I said earlier, we are not sticking these things under microscopes to double check. So I'm going to go based off of a... Like, completely. I'm saying too many words, and then I get tripped out. This always happens in the podcast. I think this is just going to be, like, my thing. But I'm going to be looking for, um... Ah! (laughs) This is going to be, like, a cute little blooper for this episode, I guess. Um, When I'm questioning my belief, I'm going to circle back to, like, a solid resource. Like, wherever I'm going to be getting my information from is going to be better than Google or, you know, whatever. So in the beauty world, I think most of us would recognize and agree that Milady is a standard. Um, it's all of our test textbooks throughout beauty school. And, um, I feel like it's definitely has the basis and backing of some research has been done. So if I'm going to look up an ingredient, I'm going to grab my Milady uh, cosmetology ingredient dictionary. I'm going to look it up and then I'm going to take its, you know, word at face value. Because 
it has not steered me wrong in all of my years as an esthetician. And I really do think that it's important to grow and learn at your own rate and do your research. But at the same time, I think that you need to do your own research. Like, I mean that in two ways. Like, double check your your sources, making sure that you are understanding it how you're supposed to understand it. But check multiple resources, making sure that you're using your brain logically and not seeing 500 videos on Instagram saying castor oil has too big a molecular size and then being like, I'm not going to use castor oil because it has too big a molecular size without doing any research yourself. Like, that's so crazy to me. I think there's always going to be somebody trying to find a way to make a splash in the social media world and making bold ass statements to go viral and then they just spread without any reputable reasoning or scientific back backing is really frustrating and something we're going to see a lot of. So I just feel like you should be forming your own opinions and doing your own research. So my reasoning for trusting castor oil is because I've used it in my studio with my clients for the last three or four years. I personally use it on myself. And according to Milady, it is a highly emollient carrier oil that penetrates the skin easily, <laughs> leaving it soft and supple. It also serves to bind the different ingredients of cosmetic formulation together. Castor oil is high in glycerin esters of ricinolic acid. I am not good at saying some of these words. And unsaturated fatty acid. It is rarely, if ever, associated with irritation of the skin or allergic reaction. It is obtained through cold pressing from seeds or beans castor oil of the castor oil plant. Impure castor oil may cause irritation as the seeds contain toxic substance that is eliminated during the processing. It, it It's unpleasant odor makes it difficult to use in cosmetics. So, easily, easily penetrates the skin easily, is uh, leaving it soft and supple, <laughs> and is rarely associated with allergic, allergic reactions. Those things check a lot of boxes for me, especially when I'm giving out a sample of a product to clients. And something that is affordable and easy to hand out without being super concerned when we get into products that have a lot more, cause a lot more change in the skin or the hair structure, we're obviously working closer to something that's going to cause irritation. So I like the idea of using this. Now, is it the only thing I use? No. I like to do a castor oil blend because I think that it helps, you know, every oil in its own right does a different thing. And I think like it says in its dictionary that, uh, what did it say? Unnatural, impure castor oil can cause issues. I agree. That's why I want to find a proper sourcing and make sure that I'm getting hundred percent pure castor oil. Now, uh, to each is their own. I think if you have a better route that you would prefer to go for your hydration, do it. I think that as long as you're doing your own research, that's the important part to me. And I've also found that I have clients that don't like the castor oil. So they use like an Olaplex or they use a conditioner or they found something else that they love. And we've double checked the ingredients to make sure there's no issue. And I think at the end of the day, we get very, very wrapped up with like 
we get very tied to certain products. So we get tied to, I only use this line. I only use that line. My clients aren't allowed to use anything other than what I provide them. And I understand that in the skincare world because I feel like they're directly coming to us saying, I need help with my skincare. What should I use? Here's your regimen. Follow it. Don't use anything else. That makes sense. With the brows, I feel like we're talking about hydration. I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. This, these, this is not acne prone. This is not anti-aging. You know, we're talking about hair loss. We're talking about growth and we're talking about hydration. That's the most important thing that I'm concerned about when it comes to brows. So as long as my client's not actively skipping their hydrator because they don't like it, i.e. they hate the smell of castor oil or it's too oily or they have lash extensions, that's completely fine. Just don't skip it. Come to me. Say, I don't like it. Let's try something else. I'm going to help you find something else that you like. I'm going to make sure that it checks whatever boxes my client's looking for. Maybe they are acne prone and we need to be concerned about the product that they're using. And maybe that's why they don't want to use a castor oil. Great. Let's find something acne safe together and then go from there. Um, they have lash extensions, so they don't want to use a castor oil. Cool. Use the Olaplex. It's creamy and it um, like penetrates easily. You can alternate between their leave-in conditioner and maybe their bond builder. Whatever we need to do to find a solution, I'm less concerned about the product that they're using and more concerned with the fact that they're using something for hydration. I'm more concerned that they're following my aftercare protocols. I'm concerned that they're exfoliating periodically, but not too often. I'm concerned at what stage of growth they're in. I'm concerned that, are we happy with the shape? So there's a lot more things that we're concerned about. There's a lot other other things that we're not as concerned about. So I think that finding and being super married to one specific product is very silly and very, very, very common in our industry. I think a lot of the times we learn something from one product and then we're we like are terrified to try something different because I don't know if the results are going to be the same and I fully understand that I was like that at one point in my career too but I think that when we actually learn the science we actually understand what's happening within our air, the hair structure and the skin and the solutions we're using we can just make better judgment calls we can know that hey, be conscientious that that's a bond builder. Don't use it too frequently because it can do this. Cool. Your client's not going to overdo it because they don't want breakage. I need you to use a hydrator often because your hairs are, are dehydrated because the solution I use in your lamination is alkaline. Cool. They're going to want to use their, conceal their conditioner. But they're not going to have to remember that she used Inlay's line and I have to use Inlay's aftercare because they're the same brand. The brands do not do not matter. The ingredients matter, the services matter, and the products matter. So you need to know the difference between a hydrator and a bond builder so that you're not confused when you buy an aftercare kit and you just hand it to your client and they go, why is my hair breaking off? I only followed your aftercare kit. Well, did you give them a hydrator or did you give them a bond builder? How often are they using one? So we got to remember that it's our job to do our due diligence and learn these different things. Another thing we need to remember is our scope. If Are you an esthetician or are you a cosmetologist? I do not sell Olaplex K18 or anything like that because I am an esthetician. I'm not going to sell hair products because they're hair products. I will give them out 
I will use them personally. I will give recommendations based on my knowledge, but I'm not going to make any sales or profit off something that's outside of my scope. And if I'm questioning it at all, I'm going to consult a cosmetologist or someone, um, you know, educated in that and then make my judgment off of that. So just remembering that our scope is our scope and samples are one thing saying, I love this. I use it personally. It's my favorite. I don't retail it because it's outside of my scope of practice, but here's this castor oil blend that I do make and you can have that as well. I sell that. That is within my scope. So just remembering those little bit of differentiations there is really important. Um, my aftercare kit in particular is a blend of black castor oil, 100% pure, <laughs> argan oil, rosehip oil, marula oil. I feel like there's one more I'm missing. Black castor oil, marula oil, rosehip, and argan. I think those four. Um, so I do a blend. I like the rosehip for its antibacterial purposes. Um, it's also beneficial for the skin. Argan oil, of course, is known for its hydrate hydrating process properties and marula oil is also known for its hydrating properties for both the skin and the hair. So I personally looked up oils and found a blend that worked for me. My clients have loved it. I've been using it with them for the past few years. So again, we've got proper research done and then proper uh, in-person um, active practice to also test uh, the results of said product. So double experimentation and research um now there's also the opportunity to carry a retail product so i use um or i carry province apothecary's full brow serum with a castor oil base um it's got some other benefit benefiting ingredients to help with um hydration and growth um, that's something that I also carry and can retail to my clients. I like to advertise that it's great for growth, great for overall hair health, and then also can be used as uh, lamination aftercare. So that's another opportunity for you to, you know, uh, make a little bit of extra money in your business and then also support your client in another way. Making sure to be very, very clear with them about how and when to use the product is of course very important even if you think it's very very simple and silly just make sure because when you show them when you say here's this oil just use a drop they might think you mean they use the entire dropper so i love to have products in person when i'm retailing anything so that i can literally show them or try it on or have them smell it as we said castor oil has that scent to it so some people don't like it um and then just being able to show them exactly how much to use and things like that. Uh, I think it just builds a better connection with your client and really shows that you care and that um, you're building that kind of trust in your relationship. So in summary, <laughs> I kind of got off topic on just talking about like knowing your, knowing your shit, knowing your science, but uh, bringing it back to what we were talking about originally, and that is knowing the difference between recommending a hydrator versus a bond builder. So the hydrator is going to be something, for example, like castor oil, that's going to coat the outer shaft of the hair, potentially penetrate a little bit lightly and smoothing the hair shaft for a silky soft, supple feel, um, hydrated texture. Um, it can be in creams in different styles, um, but it's designed to hydrate and almost be, in the sense, an occlusive agent that is reducing 
loss of hydration. A bond builder is going to penetrate and requires some sort of prep, um, you know, shampoo, chemical treatment, something happening to kind of open that hair shaft a little bit so that the bond builder can penetrate and rebuild those bonds. Now, one of the differences I don't think I covered was that like Olaplex is going to be something that's repairing, you know, the outer structure of a bond because we have to remember that these bonds are almost like a DNA matrix twist and the Olaplex is replacing the outer bonds, whereas K18 goes a little bit of a step further and it's going to repair, if you think of it like a ladder, it's going to repair the legs of the ladder as long as, as well as the rungs. So Olaplex repairs the um, legs, outer part of the ladder, and then K18 is going to repair the legs as well as the rungs. So that's why everyone has most recently kind of switched to K18. They kind of just did the Olaplex thing, but better. I think they're both very useful. And I think that now that we know how they work, there is also the benefit of knowing maybe if you're concerned your client might overuse, give them the Olaplex because it's not repairing quite as much as the K18 is, where we should be maybe a little bit more conscientious of how often we're using a K18 product because it is repairing so extensively. And like I said, a bond builder can overbuild bonds, therefore creating too much structure and then making allowing for breakage. So hydrators hydrating, bond builders are building. You can't overuse a hydrator, but you can overuse a bond builder. Um, I think there's a little bit of dispute about overusing hydrating products and just weighing the hair down. But I don't think that that's necessarily the use of the product as much as it is um, the amount of product being used. So always make sure that if you're laminated, if you're applying the products, make sure that you're not coating them so heavily that they are weighing down. We want to apply our hydrators or press it in and then brush through and make sure that it's just coating. It doesn't need to be like saturated in it. So that's a little bit of a breakdown between bond builders. Reminder to know your science. And if you have any questions, the DMs are always open. Thank you so much for listening again to Broadducation. Um, Follow us here on Spotify. Video will be available on YouTube. Um, always available via DM on at Brow Education on Instagram or at the dot eyebrow dot goddess on Instagram or TikTok. And we will see you next week on Tuesday for Otero Tuesday. And then the following week on Thursday for another longer form episode. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Now, for a short message from our sponsor, Brow Fox Beauty. Hey, it's Emily here from Brow Fox Beauty. I'm so proud to be sponsoring this episode of Brow Education. If you are new here, let me tell you a little bit about Brow Fox Beauty. We are a professional brow line for the esthetician. We specialize in easy retail for the busy esthetician. We also have a line of better back bar basics so you can be super confident putting pre and post wax solution and massage oil onto your client's skin, giving them the best glow and the best brows yet. You can find more information at browfoxbeauty.com or on social media at browfoxbeauty.